Want a bank that was ranked among the top in the nation for business banking? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette and by Shewitt & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Café Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you live in Acadiana, there's a good chance that you attend your fair share of festivals. It seems like there's a festival around here just about every week. That's because there is. If you're in a Cajun band and you think that at one time or another you've been booked to play all of them, just Google Acadiana Festivals and bet there's a couple you haven't heard of. Today we're going to talk about three festivals, the granddaddy of them all and two of the newest. The crown jewel of our festivals is Festival International. Over 300,000 people attend the Lafayette-based festival every year. Artists come from 20 countries. Maybe it's just me, but it seems to get bigger and more fun each year, although maybe I'm just judging that by the time it takes me to recover. The executive director of the festival since 2016 is a gentleman that you might also know as a mild manner software designer, or conversely, the badass drummer from Scott's Drum Centre. Here's one of the same, Scott Feehan. Scott, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Two of the newest festivals around here are the Acadiana Po'boy Festival and Plate Lunch Apalooza. I just love saying Plate Lunch Apalooza. <laughs> the Po'boy Festival is designed to celebrate the legacy of the humble po'boy sandwich and Plate Lunch Apalooza is all about making a big deal about our local love affair with a good deal, good meal. Both of these local food-centric celebrations are the product of a company called SE, which stands for Social Entertainment. If you like being social and being entertained, you may already be familiar with the creative force behind SE. He's also the guy behind Dick Stackery's Tropical Smoothie and the Jefferson Street Pub. He's Gus Rosende. Gus, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me. Scott, Festival International has a one and a half million dollar budget. Its economic impact to Lafayette and the region is estimated to be around 50 million, but the festival recovers very little of this money because it's free. I imagine that there must be an ongoing conversation about the things that festival could do to recoup more of the money that it generates. You were on the festival board for a few years and now you're the executive director. As you've learned more about the festival over the years, how has your thinking on this subject changed, if indeed it has? What are your current thoughts or the thoughts of your board on creative and new ways for the festival to capitalise on this huge economy that you've created? Yeah, so it, it, my thoughts have changed. and um, I know growing up I, I took the festival for granted. I mean, I, I thought it was magic that just fell out of the sky. I had no idea who organised it, who put it on, who paid for it. I just knew it happened. And um, I think at some point I started volunteering. And when I was able to peek behind the hood, I realized that there was just a lot of people that worked their tails off. There is no magic, only magicians. You're right. And, uh, and it takes a lot of money, too. So I got on the board, and slowly but surely I learned everything that goes into producing it. And it was an eye-opening experience when I realized 
yeah, somehow we have to come up with one and a half million dollars every year to put the festival on. Um, it, it, it really got my, uh, my, my brain spinning. Over the years, as it grew, you know, so did the budget. I mean, the first year it was a $150,000 budget. Well, fast forward to now, one, one and a half million. So we had to engage with the community and, and really uh, get the community to take ownership of it. You know, if we do love it and appreciate it, it's up to all of us uh, to support it and, and keep sustain it. You know, whatever that means. I mean, if, if that's in the form of volunteering or if that's in the form of buying some beverages or some merch or corporate sponsor and everything in between. Uh, it's, it's up to all of us as a community to, to support it and keep it rolling. Gus, when a new business is confronted with a crowded market, it will come to one of two very different conclusions. It will conclude that there's already too much competition and the last thing that anyone needs in Acadiana is another festival. Or the alternative is to say, wow, this market sure likes festivals, let's start two more. I guess that's the conclusion you reached before launching Plate Luncher Palooza and the Acadiana Poi Boy Festival. Were these decisions based on market research or were they more seat of the pants? Well, it was obviously an organic process. Uh, it had a lot to do with the downturn in the economy. Uh, we, as restaurateurs, uh, you know, having the entrepreneur spirit and realizing that a lot of our businesses were going through some challenges, like everybody was for the last couple of years. Uh, we already had a sector in our company that was already uh, providing consulting services for events in some, uh, in some developments in town as well as some nonprofits, And we just saw it that became kind of a natural direction for us to try to utilize some of the resources we had in our restaurants, our staffing, um, our ability to be able to, our marketing uh, um, you know, engine, and, and also the relationships that we have cultivated with other restaurant owners and the passions they had. You know, the Po' Boy Festival basically started with Colin Cormier and Robert Sandberg coming from Pops and saying, Gus, you know, you know how to put on an event. We have this idea. Let's do it together. You know, and it and was it, an immediate success. It, it was, yeah, and, and we never expected. You know, so for us, it was an organic process. It was also the fact that the, the, the economy was pushing us to be creative in how to how to help nonprofits that were going through the same challenges. How to help ourselves. How to help our staff stay busy when they were not making the tips they needed to make at work, so we could bring them to a festival. They can make some extra money. So it was just something organic, but at the same time, you know, we we, we already had the experience. The Boy Festival and Festival International are both based in downtown Lafayette. Correct. Your newest festival, the Plate Lunch Palooza. I will never get bored with saying that name. Is Thanks to Colin as well. <laughs> is in Sugar Mill Pond. Correct. Can you talk about? It seems like a genius decision. So what? made you think of that instead well, of having it thanks for that compliment uh, Sugar Mill Pond is a beautiful development they never really hosted anything like that you know even though social entertainment is in charge of Sugar Jam and helps with some other events in Sugar Mill Pond they never really had a festival with vendors and you know music throughout the day so we're just giving it a try and seeing how it goes but the, the residents seem very excited we hope the weather holds up and uh, you know we hope the location it's the good look we will know after how the location plays out when it comes to this festival. I think it's given them a kind of a kudos that they didn't quite have before. It makes them, it gives them that they are part of this bigger community and a lot of people live out there, so it seems a, a really good decision. Absolutely. We didn't think that way, but now you're, you're making my, my head turn and that's awesome. That is a good thing. Awesome. Um, and Scott, I hear that Festival International have just taken over an event downtown. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, so Downtown Alive, and I guess a quick clarification, we're not necessarily taking it over. Um, we we had discussions with them. They, they recently went through several changes in, in personnel, and uh, and they wanted to do something different with the event to liven it up and, and freshen it. And over the course of several weeks, we, we talked about a lot of different options, and it just seemed to make sense. I mean, we have... I mean, first off, we're from the same place. We have the same mission. You know, the people that fought, that started Downtown Alive, what, 33 years ago, 34 years ago, um, a few years later started Festival International. And they were both economic um, driving projects. That's what they wanted to do is bring people downtown to help beautify downtown. So we have a staff in place that obviously knows how to organize an event and promote it. We know downtown, we know the two venues that they mainly use, and it seemed to make a lot of sense. So I think they're excited about it, we're excited about it, and uh, we're about to find out. I, I think it's going to be good, though. Is it going to be a place that you can test out new acts that might appear at festival? You know, it's an interesting question, because one of the challenges that we do face with Festival International is there are, I mean, first off, just booking international groups from overseas is tough enough to organize. So we have to find, in a lot of cases, groups that are on tour in North America, try to get the timing worked out, see if we can book with Jazz Fest or um, any other festivals. But a challenge we have is that most festivals in North America are actually in the summer. So a lot of these groups come during the summer, and they're in the northern part of the states and in Canada. So we have access to a lot of really good groups just not necessarily the last weekend of April. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? And, and I guess to that question, I really say that, you know, Lisa Stafford is our director of programming. And every year she works her magic for our event. And, um, and we'll see. I mean, she programmed this, this series of Downtown Alive. I don't think it was, you know, we're not looking to try to change the programming to be a, an international Downtown Alive necessarily. But I think there's probably some room to kind of, you know, inject some fresh, fresh ideas, maybe some new acts. Yeah, we'll see. You know, a quick thing. As a Downtown Alive board member, you know, I'm, we are so excited about this partnership. You know, and a couple of things I would like to point out that Lisa Stafford, we, you know, we brought her in to build this lineup, which in my opinion is one of the best lineups in, in the last decade. Um, this is why he's good at this job. Really, really, really good lineup. I think is going to really do well for downtown. Uh, the second thing is that uh, we're starting to see a lot of dots being connected. You know, festival working with DDA, DLU, uh, uh, restaurants and bars now have the happiest hour, which, you know, for example, Pamplona on the first night of Downtown Live is going to be uh, providing the Sangria special. So now there is an interaction between that. And the third thing is that uh, one of the Downtown Lives this year, we're very proud, we're actually, Social Interim is one of the sponsors, we're doing the street party. So one of the Downtown Lives will not be a Sensucio International, will actually be on the 500 block of Jefferson Street, and the bands will play on the street, uh, which uh, that's also very exciting. So there are a lot of cool things going on, and it's, it's just exciting to see these organizations finally coming together. From the outside, it feels, together. yeah, like a completely natural fit. It's one of those things that's hard to put together, but when you look at it from where I am, it seems, well, that was obvious. And that's how you know generally that things are good ideas when that happens. Scott, let's talk about festival. Over the last few years, obviously, it's it's got bigger and bigger, and there are people that love that, people that hate it. But you're not necessarily about making the festival bigger, but about making it better. Better. And I think this is something that Gus is going to face in a few years' time. Because how do you keep the festival within the geographical constraints and keep it that feel we all love where it's that kind of safe environment to be in but keep making it better without necessarily growing it bigger? Yeah, it's, we went through an interesting change or transition the last several years. I mean, if you look at it, the first 15, 10, 15 years is when it really took shape and caught on. 
And then the next 10 or 15 years is when it grew. And um, I mean, it's, it's so big now. And I, I guess when you in the when you're in that mode of growth, it's very easy to, to just want to grow and grow and grow. And I guess the last three or four years, we did a lot of internal reflection to say, all right, what is our real mission? What do we want to be? You know, do we want to be the biggest festival you've ever seen? Uh, you want to be a big pop festival? And, that, and that's, not, we, we, that's not what we want to be. That's not what the founders vision was and we, we spent a lot of time with talking to founders and past presidents to figure out what it was that made this festival special not only in the beginning but throughout the years and we decided to kind of get back to our roots um, you know the, the founders wanted to reach out to our sister cities they latched on to our francophone heritage here in, in this area one of the conversations I had with one of the founders uh, Philippe Gustin he pointed out he said you know 30 years ago, that's, that's what we had to latch on to. But fast forward to today, we have a much more diverse community in Lafayette. We have a uh, big Indian community, Chinese community, Croatians, uh, Lebanese. You know, there's a lot more in Lafayette than there, than there was back then. Brazilians? Brazilians. Yeah, I've, I've heard there's some English people around <laughs> as well. You know. So, you know, we decided, he said, you know, it's time to reach out to those communities and let's, let's bring them in. And, Bloody and, foreigners. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> And get them represented. So that's kind of what we're looking at now. Is we and not, we not only want the big music on the big stages, but we want to represent the music and the food and the art and the culture. And, and you know, we had several art exhibits come up in the last couple of years. And so we're really trying to get back to the roots and bring uh, more interesting and eclectic acts to to downtown. I think that's a good way to look at any business. How did it grow? And when it comes down to it, these festivals are both about business. And that's, you know, why we get to talk about them on a show like this. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Scott Feehan, Executive Director of Festival International, and Gus Rosende, co-founder of the Acadiana Po'boy Festival and Plate Lunch of Palooza. Um, Gus, where do you see your festivals going? Are you going to grow lots of little small festivals? Are you going to have, you know, the Frog Sandwich Festival? Or <laughs> is it going to be lots of small festivals? Or do you hope to make the Po'boy Festival this giant weekend event where everybody just eats a lot of bread? Yeah, um, we we definitely do not intend to grow uh, to the magnitude that is just a huge festival like Jazz Fest. So absolutely, that's definitely not an intention in most of any of the events that we think about when we're going through the creative process. To us, the, the questions that we ask is how much is too much? How much of the things we're doing is actually impacting the community positive, positively when it comes to the artists, for example? We, we have a deal that we want to make sure if we're going to put on an event, we have the proper money to pay the musicians. Yes, if we book the musician repetitively, we would like to work with the musician on a good price, but we want to make sure that we don't put ourselves in a position where we're throwing all these events, but nobody's really winning. So we, you know, as of today, I'm proud to say that what we're trying to do is working really well, but, you know, we just have to kind of, you know, see some of the opportunities the festival, some of the challenges the festival has had and, and try to learn from it and, you know, seeing the things that Scott is putting in place. But for us, the, the, the Po' Boy Festival, a very interesting point. This past year, we were all gun-ho to say, we're going to do Park International and Saint Souci. We're going to do all these festivals in between Polk Street. And they were like, hold on. I mean, we are we trying to grow for what reason? Why not just provide a better experience than we did last year? So what, what did we not do well last so year? So you're not expecting 300,000 people Correct. to come so, so the idea is really much along the lines is that we want to make sure that we don't we're not perceived as a company that is just trying to 
create a ton of stuff that is just irrelevant to the community. We want stuff that is going to make an impact economically, culturally. So we're just learning. You know, it's only our third year, and but we're not looking to grow. We're looking to do things better than we're doing now. So I've been told to ask questions about Plate Lunch of Palooza because people are confused. Like they're used to the Budan Festival or yeah. the Po'boy Festival, where you have a little taste of lots of things. Correct. People want to know how do you get a little taste of lots of plate lunches? What's do you just have to eat a lot? Do you so, have to starve yourself for a week beforehand? How so does it definitely work? not eating for 72 hours is probably the best <laughs> idea. No, no. But no, all joke aside, uh, you know this is probably the biggest challenge. We're gonna learn afterwards. But well, we have 16 vendors, and uh, we have communicated really well with them, and they are all on board. You know, Tony Sasher is being, being the ta- the title sponsor. We have dedicated a special lunch box that everybody's gonna get. So all the plate lunches will be served from the same $5 signature box. And every vendor has only one $5 signature plate lunch they can serve with a main dish that comes with protein and your choice of rice and two sides. And we have given them up to the ounceage of what they can actually serve. So what we are hoping to come out of this is that everybody buying the $5 plate, we're hoping that they can hopefully enjoy anywhere from two to three plates. Uh, because the, the, the size of the portion obviously will not be anything close to a regular play lunch. So the vendor makes good money, hopefully, out of the out Scott of the, and I are just enjoying all this yeah. detail and, and all this and, business thinking and, behind and, it. And hopefully, and hopefully we get the, 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 the visitor to have a good experience. Like I said, the festival is free, but hopefully every party involved benefits from So the goal is two to three portions per visitor, so two to three restaurants out of the 16. And That's the goal. Do you expect some people to try and eat all 16? I hope so. Well, the, the judges are, you know, so we have three judges. <laughs> How do we get to be judges, Scott? Uh, That's right. the question. Well, well, you guys are welcome to. So we, we have uh, we have a judges where uh, they're going to be tasting all the 16. And it'll be first, second, and third place. Uh, so, you know, guys like Jude and John Williams, they're going to be, they're going to have to taste it. So, so they definitely will. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of food. Scott, Gus, this is the part of show that we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment that you should jump on, or a new kind of festival that you should create. You can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that could have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice, and it turns out to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you? Did you take your, their advice and how did it turn out? I'll let you go first, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking at each other and their food has just arrived. Yeah, especially right after the plate lunch description. I'm, uh, I'm ready to dive in. No, I, when, um, I remember growing up, at some point I asked my, one of my uncles who was fairly successful, I said, you know, what, was, what is your key to success? And the first thing out of his mouth was, uh, he said, you know, I pride myself on just having the ability to make a decision. And, uh, and he said, you know, so many people in life go through, have a hard time making decisions, especially big ones, you know, because you get kind of tied up in the minutia of looking for that perfect decision. And oftentimes, I mean, more often than not, there's, there's not a perfect decision. So he said, you know, the decision-making process alone is something that I continue to try to get better at, you know, and it's really served me well. And I think I was 16 at the time that he said that. And, and it was one of those things I didn't think about for another five years because I already knew everything at 20 years old. Yes. <laughs> and then at 22, when I realized I didn't know anything, that's when I think it really started to come to fruition, and, and I tried to hone in on that. So when you were offered the direct, to be director of Festival International, was that an easy decision? 
<laughs> no, in <laughs> fact, when when we were discussing uh, who we were going to, because I was on the on the board, and we were trying to think of who we were going to hire, what the answer was, what were we going to do. Were you secretly like me, me, me? No, no. no. And, for, and for years, we all said, "Man, there's no way I would want to do that." I mean, it, you know, it's it's it was a tricky, or it is a tricky position. It's a public position. Um, so about halfway through one of the conversations we had when people were kind of describing what we were looking for I got real quiet and I didn't say anything the rest of the meeting and I went home and, and I took a few nights to kind of sleep on it and, and it still took I think a few weeks for me to even verbalize it, it was just one of those things that I guess once the thought process crossed I said you know what I'm not even necessarily I'm not sure if I'm excited about it or not but I feel like I should at least give it a shot so we're glad you did Gus a great idea that you've uh, well, I'm hoping that the idea turns out to be a great idea because it's currently in process. Uh, it was it was pretty much um, our commitment to downtown over the last seven years. You know, it was uh, uh, having businesses outside the downtown district uh, before that and uh, learning from past employers and past uh, mentors, uh, things they did well, um, you know, I never really had anyone telling me go downtown because you know uh, there's an opportunity there. We we kind of just organically once again just kind of ended up being there. And then so what I, what I'm you know not only I have a call to action to any entrepreneur or any investor to really take a deep look into downtown Lafayette and really give a very serious thought into uh, putting um, putting your resources into it because there's so many good things happening, especially behind the scenes right now, despite some of the challenges we have, but. You know, uh, when when I decided to make that move myself, I'm, I'm I'm currently working really hard to make sure that that turns out to be a good decision. So that's that's pretty much one of my you know biggest professional challenges so far. And I'm you know I, I look forward to work with guys like Scott to keep pushing it hard. You know. So. Yeah, I mean the hard work and Scott. Let's talk about your hard work because not only are you director of Festival International, you own a drum store. You're a, ba- a badass drummer, apparently. <laughs> right. And right. and a developer. How do you do three full time jobs and stay sane? Yeah, that's the that's the la- the last part's the key. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I can't wait for my friends to hear that last comment about me being a badass drummer. Um, <laughs> he says it in my script, so it must right, be true. Right. Right. Yeah, I think the reason I owned the drum shop was not necessarily because of my drumming skills, but it, you know, I was I was I was always attracted to the business side of things, um, and I'm not sure. I it happened kind of organically. I mean, I, I ended up I flunked out of college my first time through, and that's when I knew everything at 20, and I was going to start a drum shop and make a million dollars. A year and a half into it, it wasn't working, so I went back to back to school, and then I got the IT degree. So, I don't know. Just throughout the years, I guess I uh, kind of like Gus. You know, you just start kind of all these different hustles, and before you know it, that's kind of all you know. So yeah, I mean, I spend my morning designing software, and then I spend my afternoons and evenings and weekends trying to keep up with everything else with festival. And so if there's a group that shows up to festival and their drummer maybe just gets a bit too drunk or, <laughs> or disappears or goes out into the swamp, are you likely to be jumping on stage and playing drums? You know, Lisa hasn't called me yet for that, so um, we'll, we'll see, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't hold your breath. I'm hoping once she hears this that, you know, maybe uh-huh. she'll have that idea. Right. So... Gus, you've got your, your fingers in lots of pies, sometimes literally downtown. What's what's next? Is there is there like that little germ of an idea of like I'd love to do this kind of festival one day or um 
You know, we will continue developing our food and beverage side. And you know, on Tropical Smoothie, we, we hope to grow our um, our stores in Acadiana, in the Acadiana market. Is there ever going to be a smoothie festival? I don't know. <laughs> Combining two of your businesses? Yeah. Um, you know, on the food, food and beverage side, we look to grow and we look to run, you know, good businesses, uh, businesses that, you know, uh, make an impact in the community. On the on the event production side, you know, we, we currently have several projects in the making. They're either out to the public or we're currently thinking about it. But um, that's that's pretty much what we're working on. There's a lot, a lot going on. Uh, we have... Uh, Hopefully, a very cool little project downtown happening early in the spring. Um, we're, we're looking to bring another addition to the food and beverage scene there, so we're currently working on it. Do you want to tell me anything uh, My else partners about that? told me to hold off a little bit, so but uh, but people just, just but a people, little hint. People, are, uh, people there are downtown pizza. Pizza. <laughs> pizza. <laughs> a little, there's a, a little hint there. Little hint, and uh, it's happening. And uh, we're, we're excited. Uh, we have an awesome group of guys involved in this uh, in this project, and we. Um, we just want to be, um, you know, we want to. We're working really hard on this project over the last ten months, so uh, we can't wait to. Uh, I think for it that's to been the theme of the show. People see what you do, and they see the festival side, as we talked about earlier. You see the magic, but the hard work that goes on, the business sense that goes on behind these things, is is what really makes them work and makes people just be able to show up and enjoy them. And as Scott said, when you first got there and you didn't think about all of that, it's thanks to you guys that that people get to just go and relax and enjoy them and try. And eat five different plate lunches in an afternoon <laughs> well that i remember my my first year um well i volunteered but then my, the next year i told the guy i said you know i'm i'm ready to pay my dues so he said all right do, would you like to chair this area and i said okay i just got suckered in um, <laughs> but that was the first year that i saw the real behind the scenes and when i started meeting the people who have been not just volunteering one or two shifts this year, last year, but these are the people who have been volunteering for a festival for 30 years. Um, you know, and not just them, but their whole families. And they take a week off of work to come and build. You know, when you come down to festivals, somebody has to put every tent up, every banner up. We have to set up all the electricity. We set up our whole, an entire electrical grid just for ourselves. And when I met those people that come year after year, then the next year I showed up and those same people came. It was like worker ants that just came from out of everywhere. And that's what really grabbed me. And I realized, man, it's, I want to be part of that family that, that really puts it on. Because, yeah, it's, it's a ton of hard work. And, it, and it's been happening for... 30 years now. So. And we probably should say that anyone can volunteer for festival. There's lots and lots of different roles, some behind the scenes, some dealing straight with the public, but it relies on the volunteers to make it the, the magical festival that we have. There are During festival hours alone, there are over 2,600 volunteer shifts, of, you know, three-hour shifts, and that doesn't include the week-long that we take off, you know, to set it all up, but 2,600 volunteer shifts during festival hours. So that's a huge force, and we wouldn't be able to do it without people giving their time. Well, thank you both. I started off today's show by saying that there's no shortage of festivals in Acadiana. There's also, obviously, no shortage of great people running at them and working at them. But Gus and Scott, you two are probably among the most delightful. Scott, you are the greatest drummer in Acadiana, <laughs> who is also executive director of a festival. Right. And Gus, you are the most Brazilian. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, you're both tremendous assets to Acadiana and to the 
culture here. Thank you both for everything you're doing for all of us. And thank you for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Scott Feehan, Executive Director of Festival International, and Gus Rosende, co-creator and producer of Plate Lunch Palooza. I get to say that one more time. Plate Lunch Palooza and the Acadiana Boy Po'boy Festival. You can find out more about Scott's and Gus's festival by following the links on our website at krvs.org and it's acadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch in the courtyard at Cafe Vermilionville. It's a beautiful day here and the courtyard is open for lunch and dinner. Cafe V is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner and the courtyard sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researcher is Anne Christian. Our theme song, On Kumusha Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Eskaday. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Gwen Oquam. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off of Pinhook near Cali Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet-friendly with free parking, free Wi-Fi and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Café Vermilionville for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette and by Shewitt & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Want a bank that was ranked among the top in the nation for business banking? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.